Hey folks, it's John from AS for Alcoholic again. Today's conversation is with Angel Luna. He's a comedian, a magician, a musician, an all-around awesome guy. Um, we got to talk at great lengths about all kinds of stuff, figuring out a way to make it, how to make it sober, how to make it big, how to um, follow what feels right rather than what you are told is right and dealing with sobriety and recovery during a pandemic, doing it on your own, asking for help. Um, it was an awesome conversation and it's one of those where, you know, I feel like, oh, this is somebody that I could hang out with too, you know? So, um, and I hope maybe one day I get to see him perform. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Angel Luna. So uh, Angel, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, so I like to start with um, asking my guests uh, how they remember alcohol coming into their life, not necessarily your first drunk but mm -hmm. maybe even did you grow up with it? Was it something in childhood that you remember? Like, what is your earliest memory of, of alcohol in your life? Um, hmm, when, uh, you know, it's weird. It's just, it's always been in my life. Uh, not in like a, I've been a drunk since I was two years old, but, but in a, in a, like, I'm, so I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican. Mm -hmm. And so it's in the culture so as a kid you're like they you're essentially trained to be like hey go get me a beer and then like you as a five-year-old already can challenge like german beer mates with the amount of drinks you can hold at once and bringing them over to a bunch of adults mm. so yeah when i think of booze i just think of like cookouts and barbecues when i was a kid yeah Even, yeah so you know not in a negative way not in like and then there was beer bottles no it was just like a, yeah people drink at cookouts yeah so, <clears throat> it's a very normal thing sure mm -hmm. um so <clears throat> when did you first when did you first find it as something that when did you first find it yourself um well at this point i knew where the beer was i was like five <laughs> So I didn't have to be reminded all the time, which is why I was always the dozen. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> at probably high school. Yeah. Just like most people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I have some beers. Oh, okay. And then, you know, just drink whenever you can. You know, I wasn't like a party or anything in high school, but, you know, if there was booze around or whatever, I drank it. And House everybody... parties at the park, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it's it's a weird thing because like we all just kind of lie to ourselves like, oh, yeah, this tastes like piss. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're going to taste be great. So cool. No. <clears throat> yeah. And then like as I got older in high school, we had, you know, you have parties or you hang out and you have like hard liquor mm -hmm. and that stuff actually tastes decent versus, you know, warm piss. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so drinking in high school, like, like every normal average kid. Yeah. And it wasn't does. even a lot. It was just like, Oh, rad. Okay. We're going to win this tonight. Let's go. 
Uh, it's weird. I never got drunk in high school. I didn't start getting drunk until like I got to college and older. And then what, what changed there? Was it just the acceleration of the amount or uh, that you needed or wanted or. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just the natural progression, right? Like mm-hmm. during college for me specifically, I'd gotten a full ride to college and like imposter syndrome hits and then you're alone with your thoughts for the first time yeah. and you're just like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, there's the access to booze is way easier to get. So, right. Um, you start drinking <clears throat> a lot and like not in a negative way, you just drink a lot more. And I remember drinking a lot, a lot my freshman year of college. And then I ended up dropping out beginning of sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then the booze intake increased after that. So it's all, it was all like trauma induced. <laughs> and, and then, uh, and yeah. So what, what trauma induced it? Oh, just uh freaking like, like I said, imposter syndrome, not yeah. knowing what you want. Okay. Um, genetically dis this genetic disposition to drink a lot. Um, yeah. And yeah, and just like, you know, your childhood bullshit that you go to therapy for and so on and so forth. I didn't yes. start going to therapy to like 22. And at that point, arguably, it's like, you know, I, yeah, I'm doing the work, but also like I'm horribly self-medicating. Right. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who who had gone to therapy and the therapist wouldn't take his money because the therapist said, look, I can help you, but I can only help you if you quit drinking. Right. You know, and he wasn't willing to do that. Um, but right. so, so you begin to drink heavily in uh, your sophomore year. You, you said you dropped out in sophomore year of college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what predicated that? Um, I just, uh, imposter syndrome and like depression, like yeah. I really started getting really depressed and uh it wasn't until like going to the doctor a few times so like yeah you were predispositioned based on like the everything to be depressed i'm like got it huh so yeah i have clinical depression something i deal with on the often something i you know to this day have to deal with um and uh just you know that plus just not having my grades right not even knowing what i wanted to do I was there to get an English and a communications degree to maybe be a debate coach. I'd gotten a like little baby scholarship to do debate. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was not, we'll say the greatest person. <laughs> not saying I'm great now, but like, you know, when you're a young guy who at the time I had been a, like, on my own for lack of a better term since 16 Mm -hmm. and so you know you very disposed to shitty opinions sure right and so you know you're a little edgelord when you get to college i know and i was just like a little edgelord i think if i'd stayed that way or kept drinking i would definitely be i definitely could see myself being like i would have definitely been in like the throes of all the fucked up parade that's happening nowadays mm-hmm. in regards to like men's mental health. I'd probably be listening to the wrong talking heads 
Do you, do you catch yes. what I'm? I do. What I'm I do. I do. You and know, it's, well, and you, yeah. Ironically, I did listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. So like, <laughs> it you is what, what it is. And I'm glad too. I'm not that person. So and, Yeah. And then and then something around 2014, I was like, this is kind of stupid. I don't like any of the you know what I mean? Like something yeah. shifted and I was like, oh, OK, either I can continue down this, like you said, and, and that whole like idea of being an edgelord. And those people are really not that much fun to be around. They're really not. And <laughs> like the, it's it's this weird thing that a lot of a lot of people have, mm. I think, from what I've seen. What have I, what I've experienced is we try really hard to be accepted by people that we don't even like. Mm. And that's all it was like, yeah. even after I left school and I found, you know, stand up and, you know, I found myself like laughing and making the type of jokes that I would not make, but just, I just want to be liked by this group of people. Cause I want to be accepted. Right. And, like, and then I've, when I moved to Chicago, I'm like, I'm still that person. I'm still making those jokes and like, no one likes me. And I'm like, I don't know why people don't like me. And it's like, oh yeah. Cause people are different here. And most of them are nice. <laughs> I'm like, Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like it's just, thing, it, yeah. it definitely, um, it's not a sustainable way of thinking, a way of life, a way of communicating in, in that sort of horribly cynical and downright nasty um which is wild because like when you when you when you see that stuff and you see like the the people that are like in the precipice of that and the people around that you're like i've seen the people like the and i'm not gonna name names but the the people who are friends or that are like in that satellite group of that main Mm -hmm. shitty person um like if you watch their stuff separately or when it's just them, you're like, this is a completely different person. Yeah. Like the code switch is hard. Like, <clears throat> like this person's like nice, they're open, they're sensitive. And then the moment they get around, they're like bros, they change so dramatically. And like, it's a normal thing to be like, you know, when you're with your friends, you're like somebody else, but it's like, man, how, how do you go from like this cool guy to like really shitty out of nowhere? Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But the desire to be accepted is pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful, which leads me to my drinking years. No. Yes. <clears throat> so the heavy drinking in after you've dropped out of college, dealing with depression, um, and this continues. <clears throat> you're you're you said you were drinking more. I mean, how was it then? Uh, I mean, I was just drinking a lot in terms of like, uh, you know, you get home after work, you open mm-hmm. a few brewskis. And then that turns into like, okay, I'm open the bottle of Jack into the bottle of this. Into the, you know, it just it yeah. gets worse. And the main thing that caused me to drink a lot is I was in a long-term relationship at the time. And I was the fucking worst. Just, I was a really bad partner. Um, you know, I, it's, the more I look at it, like as the older as I get, I'm like, Jesus Christ, how was I so awful? Um, and it's, you know, and at the time I was like, well, this is how you do relationships. Cause this is what I see. My parents have been married for so long and this is how I saw it happen. So why wouldn't it work for me? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the classic, <laughs> I learned it from seeing you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know your first idea of what a relationship is is your parents is your family sure and you know my dad's not the best person he's a terrible person arguably um and uh and yeah he treated my mom like shit and so i in turn treated my partner like shit uh not on purpose I wasn't like doing it like in an evil Machiavellian way. I just thought that's what it was. I thought that's what love was. I thought that's what it was to be a partner. Mm-hmm. And I was just bad at it. I was real bad at it. And I remember they, they broke up with me. They, it was, we were supposed to just hang out. And the big issue was I'm not vulnerable enough. Cause I kept to myself a lot. And like, I need to be more open so we can. And the reason she wanted me to be open is so we can discuss the fucking issues we're having. And then she, she got tired of it and she called me out on everything, like everything at once. And at that <clears throat> moment, I could have been super manipulative, super shitty, but I, I was going to therapy and like uh, the timing was like freaking magical somehow. Cause it, I remember the therapy was like, you need to learn how to take constructive criticism and like accept that you mess up mm-hmm. and that that's okay and you just gotta like, she was basically like take the my therapist at the time was, was a woman she was like take it on the chin and then go from there that's the only way you're gonna figure this out apparently because you're so hard-headed um and i was like okay and and so cut two three days later my partner breaks up with me and does the same thing and i'll go and i just remember breaking down crying i was like holy shit you're right Cause like she had receipts, like boom, boom, like, <clears throat> like hired a lawyer, like the works. Damn. And um, and she was absolutely right about all of it. Not once was I like, well, actually, and I was just like, oh fuck, right. And like, I think at one point I was like, I thought this, and she's like, no, that's bullshit. Cause this, this, and this, and I was like, oh man, she knows what she's doing. She's good. She came out of debate with like debate rhetoric. It's a good time. Smart. <laughs> so this this was a moment of um, I guess you could say a moment of clarity or a moment of uh, of of change, at least in your thinking to accepting the criticism rather than deflecting it. Yes. Because of the therapy that you had you had mm-hmm. undergone. Yeah, right. Exactly. Nailed it. Did- um the problem is once we yes. broke up, I did not know what to do with it. Instead of being like, let's work on this. I was just like, well, I guess I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and then, yeah, instead of just being like, I guess this is just who I am. Just a yeah. little sack of shit. And then all the internal hate comes in and then you start drinking a whole lot more. And and what's crazy is like, that was such a big time of change for me because mm-hmm. I had just started like doing really well. well. Not really well, but like well, relatively in terms of like stand up. Um. I had just gotten a new job. And so like, I'm going to this job, like brand new, everything essentially. And it was just, it was a lot. And I really liked that job. I like, I love that job, but you know, you have a problem when you go to a job you like and you're pre-gaming. It's one thing to like, God, I fucking hate this job. And then like, you're, you know, taking shots back just to get through the terrible job, whatever. Yeah. It's another where you're like, oh man, today I get to play video games all day and hang out with people. You know, it's just... it reminds me of a, a there's a Doug Stanhope bit. He's like, don't drink on your weekends. That's your time. 
drink during the week during while you're at your shitty job. Like, yeah. don't give them a hundred percent, you know, <laughs> save that for yourself on the weekends. Um, uh, that's not that wrong. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> but um, so did you in this job that you loved and you're pre-gaming, did it occur to you that alcohol was the problem at that um, point? Um, no. <laughs> Yeah, no. that's a, that's the weird thing. I wouldn't blame. I always blame myself. Never like the thing that I was doing or like it was always like, well, it's my fault. Obviously, I'm, you know, it's not alcohol's fault. It's my fault. Right. Um, alcohol's my friend. Um, mm-hmm. It's trying to make me feel better. I'm the right. one who's messing everything up. And then, uh, you know, I did I did the work. I went into I did therapy and one there's two events that like really shape like one they were like six months apart about a two three weeks maybe into the new job i get a call that i need to go visit uh my ex-partner uh they had um been through some stuff and they were at a medical facility and I went to go see them and like in this weird Zen moment, they mm-hmm. were like, Hey, I just need you to know that you need to forgive yourself. I was like, what? Like the reason you're here is like my fault. And they're like, yeah, but also like, I'm taking responsibility for my part in it. You need to take responsibility for your part. in it." And I go, that's what I'm doing. It's like, yeah, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, you need to learn how to like in they're in the medical facility. I am visiting them and they're like still like in this incredible sense of mind to be like, don't be so hard on yourself. Right. Which is incredible. And so that's one thing that happened and that shook me. And then like a few months later, you know, you're drunk, you give a phone call. Oh, one day we'll be back together. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 we won't because you're a narcissist and you're this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, and like, instead of like fighting back, I was like, you're a ride. It's like, yeah, but it's like that Bojack Horseman scene where it's like, no, you got to be better. You can't just walk around saying you're a piece of shit and then never do anything about it. Like you need to, it was essentially that conversation. And, um, and I was like, okay. And then like, it still was like a month after that where I did a show. It was like one of the biggest shows I'd done. I did a really good set. They recorded it. Um, when I hung out with like coworkers after that, like, oh, that was a good set. Oh, thanks, man. And I looked back on it and they were just being nice. I was a fucking drunk mess. Like barely... This, like the punchlines were there they got laughs but like mm-hmm. like they didn't make any sense i'm like what the fuck was this and then i was like okay well this is weird and instead of like hmm, maybe i should self-reflect i just got more drunk and then that morning i had to go to work and i like look in the mirror and i'm like i'm a mess and like i looked like my dad i had shaved my head recently and my dad's bald yeah. And and I look at my dad and I was like, oh no. Oh God. And yeah, that was it. And then I got rid of the booze and 
cold turkey did essentially mm-hmm. yeah by <clears throat> myself i tried a once and i didn't like it what I didn't you the, like about it what was there what the was religious the... part yeah um yeah i have my issues with religion and um yeah and then i just like no fuck this i don't need this shit i'll do it by myself because i'm me and like it worked for a yeah. long time until like the pandemic hit yeah and then i started going on and off to a and it's been great uh, i haven't been in a bit but that's mostly because <clears throat> poor time management and to be honest just like um i don't want to come into an aa meeting with like guess what i really want to drink today like i uh, for some reason in my mind i'm like that's the last pay- thing people want to hear at a um so well yeah yeah that's that's the tldr <clears throat> of it um yeah um which is not very tldr <laughs> <laughs> no it is not um well uh, I, a couple of things. What tell me you you have this epiphany about your father, which I have had uh, a few about mine right. um, in in a very similar way. Like my God, um, what have I become? But you say you cold turkeyed it, mm-hmm. and that I had a similar experience. What was that like? And how did you how did you cold turkey it? What was the what were the the actual steps and things that you did to keep yourself away from booze? Uh, I asked for help. So um, uh, so when you're in stand-up, you make friends and with your friends, you drink. Super normal thing. Yeah. And so I'd start going to mics and stuff and they'd be like, oh, you want something? I'm like, no, man, I'm not drinking anymore. And luckily, I was around people that weren't shitty about it. Yeah. I, I definitely lucked out in my environment. So I'm like, hey, I'm, I don't drink anymore. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Do you want like a soda? And you're like, yeah. I mean, that was super helpful. because I And I would, you'd confront people sometimes. I'm sure you've dealt with this where they're like, you want something to drink? Like, no, nah, man, I'll just have a water or a soda. Then like, ah, you don't drink? Why don't you drink? Because I just, I don't drink. <clears throat> I was you're in the program and then you're like yeah actually i am i am in the program you want to talk about it (laughs) yeah well you know what the worst part is something and this is just a little side thing Mm -hmm. um the worst the worst and like it shouldn't be because naturally the thing to be is like yes i'll help you out is you go like actually i'm I'm sober and they're like what like yeah i'm an a and then they go maybe i should be an a (laughs) And it's like, ooh, they're trying to, they're joking, but they're telling some truth here. Yes. Yeah. And and you're like, oh, I mean, I know a meeting if you want to go. And they're like, nah, I mean, I don't drink that much. I was like, how much, how bad did you drink? And then you tell them how bad you drunk. And then they're like, I mean, I drink more than that. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know what you want me to tell you. And then yeah. they're like, and they're like, maybe, I, and like, it's like, it's this narcissist. I know what you're trying to do. And like, yes. I want to help you, but you're being narcissistic about it. Yeah. You're not there. You're not asking me because you, you know, you generally think you have a problem. You're asking it out of like this weird narcissistic thing to make yourself the focus of the conversation, mm-hmm. which is naturally the most alcoholic thing you could do. <laughs> yes. And part of me is like, I want to help you. But the mm-hmm. other part of me is like, dude, 
I can barely help myself. <laughs> Here's resources. Godspeed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And it's it that that conversations. It shouldn't be annoying, but it is I'm probably a bad person for it. But I'll I usually that, say I'll yeah, take that L this time around just because like, <laughs> God, it's, I'm not a fan of it. And no. it's like, dude, just take your fucking drink and go. Yeah. Like, I you don't, don't we don't have to have this mini three minute conversation or you feel weird about how you're drinking because you're going to go have your sip of whatever and feel bad about it anyway. So who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I usually just tell them like, hey, um, so I know this meeting Sunday morning. Give me your address. I can come by your house and I'll pick you up at 930 and we'll go hit this 10 o'clock meeting if you're serious. And usually at that point, they're like, oh, never mind. I got to go by. And then they That's disappear fine. from my life. <clears throat> but you're right. It's just like, okay, I get it. You want to make a joke about it. Fine. But it's you're not serious. It's just not an interesting conversation to have. Exactly. Because if you were, if you were, if you sincerely wanted help, I would go out of my way. It wouldn't mm -hmm. even be going out of my way. I would be happy no, to help you. Yeah. There's right? been a few people that have been like, here's the resources, do this. Yeah. You don't even have to go anywhere. Just you can do it from your home, be whatever. And they'll go yeah. maybe to one or two and like, but then they'll find their own meeting and like, you know, life's great. And you're like, great. Awesome. Hell yeah. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't stick and that's okay too. You know, yeah. as long as you do the effort at one point, it's all that matters. So, you, so you had a great, um, uh, like you said, a great community um, to quit drinking in, you know, people were not pressuring you, anything like that. What was the point? How long were you cold turkeying it before you thought, hey, I need a little bit more help? Mm. And what was in that moment that said that made you say that? Was there a breaking point or a concern of relapse? Um, <clears throat> what's weird is that urge to like, not be uh my parent was really strong like it just it fucking i ran on coffee and the need to not be <laughs> that guy yeah. and um when the pandemic hit i had recently been let go i was like on valentine's day can you believe that mm. true? um i was like on valentine's day and my date canceled and i was just like this is the, the worst day ever but okay and that same weekend I had booked a bunch of jobs because I, because I'm, I don't know if Whitney told you, but I, I do magic. I'm a magician. And, um, and I had like solid, like little bookings for comedy. So like throughout the week I was booked for comedy, making 20 bucks here and there. And then I, for the weekend, I would do like a wedding and I'd be set for like the next two months. And I had bookings like that for like the next three months. And I was like, dude, I just need to nail these bookings. And I'm yeah. set for like the year. And then um, and the pandemic hits, all of it dried up, all of it. And mind you, I had already gotten some advances. Mm. And I had to like send those back. And I owed people money now because like I had spent the advance on like rent and shit. And it was a whole thing. So cut to it's now like mid-March. I have no money and like i have some money coming in but not a lot i'm trying to get my shit together to get an employment proper and what was that whole mess of like people trying to get money yeah and the government's like not good at it and so and there's only been a few times where i've seriously regretted a decision 
and they both occurred out of fear. Um, like I was scared and instead of like pushing through and like being, you know, brave about it, I pussied out for lack of a better term. Apologies if that's an offensive way to, to say that. Uh, but yeah, I, I chickened out, I guess. And um, at the time, my entire family was calling me because I was the only one in Chicago. Um, I'd been there for like five years, loved it, did not plan on moving back to Texas at all, ever. I was just like, Chicago's this is my town. I don't even care if I make it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm set. This is where I want to live. Even if I do make it, this is going to be home base. Whatever making it means. And um, everybody called me. They were like, we're so scared. Please come home. Please, we're, we're scared for you. Please come home. We're scared for you. Please come home. I had like no money. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to fucking figure it out. Because I mean, I'd been homeless at one point in Texas. I had been, I'd been through it in Texas. And, you know, once you've been in like the worst of it, you're kind of not scared of it anymore. So I was like, I'll be fine. But, you know they just got it in my head at a very vulnerable time and i was like i have no job prospects <laughs> nothing going on i'm fucked um and so i gave in and i was promised uh i was sold bad goods we'll put it that way yeah yeah you'll move in here we got a job for you we got you you're gonna be sad you're gonna live in the city and then i ended up moving in with my parents They told me like this terrible plan to move me in somewhere. And they were like, and the job we got you is working with us in the sun. Uh, And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so I lived with my parents for like six months. It was awful. Um, Had to live with my dad, which at first wasn't too bad. But it's one of those things where like they were clearly both of them on their best behavior when I first got there. Mm hmm. And they just got progressively worse. And the the bummer is um, my family either still doesn't or they think I'm over-exaggerating when I say I'm sober. Because they didn't see it. They never had to deal with it because I was away the whole time. Like in the middle of like all my bullshit. They were not there at all. So they didn't see the worst version of me. They hadn't seen me really regularly since 16. Mm-hmm. And so it's like over a decade after. And then I'm over here like a different person, very different politics, um, just different everything. Like went to therapy, <laughs> you know, just a more emotionally mature person. And they're, and my mom used to tell me all the time, she's like, I don't know how to talk to you. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you're my son, but like also like I've, you know, and I was just like, I'm an adult. Talk to me like I'm an adult. Like, yes, I'm your little boy, but also I'm a grown ass man. Uh, you could tell me things. It's fine. And, uh, and yeah. And so like my dad drank a lot and like, ironically, you'd think that would be the motivator to not drink. But when that shit's around you all the time, you kind of want to drink. Yeah. And so I lucked out in eventually finding a gig in the city. I'm in Houston now. And um, that's where I was born and raised. And uh, I moved in with my brother. I've since moved again, 
but just living with my brother i was like okay i need to get my shit together like because the urge to drink is alive and well yeah and so then i went to a uh through whitney and whitney's great and uh whitney watson sober rabbit check it out <laughs> yes and, in fact i love sober <clears throat> rabbit so much here i'll show you this I don't know if pick up i have look at that a tattoo and i have a sober rabbit tattoo on my arm that's awesome yeah, I love that comic so much. Uh, my right arm is the arm of things I love, and Sober Rabbit is one of them. <clears throat> What's the left arm? Uh, uh, I uh, <laughs> this is I no no you, that's a good question. Uh, this is like who I am for lack of okay. a better term. So I have the Mexican flag eagle on here, and I have this. Um, I can't really show it, but I have like uh, Elsa, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, but in the form of uh, like a saint. Mm-hmm. Because I really love old classic Universal monster movies, and I feel deep kindredship with uh, with those those monsters and horror and stuff like that. So awesome, yeah. But yeah, and so and then I started doing that, and it's really helped since. So yeah, all that's, right. That's that's the very uh, too long version of that. So AA in Houston, <clears throat> I don't even do you... AA Houston. No, you did do it online. Yeah. No, but you when you you did. Is that correct? Is that when you were living with your brother and you said the urge to drink was very. Alive oh, yeah, well. yeah. It was very strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this was what year was this? Last year. This is last year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and you live in Houston now? I still live in Houston. Yeah. Okay. Um, and AA helped you through that, got you past the urge. You said you go here and again, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's more of a resource than, than necessarily a way of life for you. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely a resource. Um, yeah. Like ever since, um, getting sober and trying to figure my shit out, I've gone to therapy. I've looked inward. I've done a lot of just, I've done a lot of the work for lack of a better term Yeah. to just becoming a better person and knowing what is, what causes my issues and my triggers and so on and so forth. And, and yeah. And like, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause um, I chose a life when I figured out who I wanted to be and who I am, I chose a life of like hardship. Right. Cause I want to be, I'm an artist. I want to do, I want to entertain. I want to, you know, I want to do magic. I want to do, I want to tell jokes and trying to, play music with a band uh you know like the the works like yeah I'm, i have a podcast that i write feverishly on and i'm trying to like you know i'm trying to quote unquote make it and and i was doing it for a while and the pandemic hit and it really fucked my shit up and when you look at um my friends and the people that are around me on paper i'm the worst one like doing because everybody like i'm living with my cousin now um and like in this house like everybody for lack of a better term everybody has their shit together like they have money they don't worry about they have savings accounts you know (laughs) the works right and i don't have that i don't have security in that in that sense what i do have though is um what i think i have and i may be wrong but I'm I'm very secure in myself, what I want to do, what I believe in, 
and more more specifically like i just feel like i have an emotional maturity that like a lot of these folks don't have and and mind you they're they're they are they've also done work right like you know they're like hey these are cycles we should probably break and they do it and that's awesome but there's you know there's there's peaking of like mm, you could have handled that better <laughs> yeah and stuff like that and but mind you i say that in my classic alcoholic narcissistic way of like well i have this at least <laughs> and it's like do you <laughs> well i think you make a very good point and it's something um that in this last six months for myself, even mm-hmm. I have, um, I have, I've dealt with <clears throat> back in January, late January, I made a decision that I was going to follow a path to financial security. I was just going to forget about everything else that I was trying to do. I was going to ignore all of the, I was still going to do some of the creative stuff, but it was not going to be a focal point. And I had this plan and I was going to do it and I was going to follow it. And then somebody came into my life and um, I was talking with her and she's an artist and she is somebody who said, I choose things out of integrity. I'd rather be kind than rich. And all of these little things that she would talk about and saying, if it doesn't, if it doesn't align with my values, I'm not going to do it. Money comes and goes. And she would say all these little things to me. And it started to occur to me that I really didn't want to do this thing that I was like, I'm going to go make six figures. I'm going to, that's money is going to be my motivator and I'm going to go live a happy life in paradise. And it became apparent very quickly that I was not going to be happy doing that. Mm -hmm. And that that wasn't going to be the most important thing. And I don't always, you know, we can't always align with our values and do everything. Sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do to get the money we need to live. Right. But that being said, it sort of changed my perspective. And so maybe it's not, maybe it is a little bit narcissistic. Maybe all this is narcissistic. I don't know. We've got microphones in front of us. So, (laughs) but um, like, listen to our problems, (laughs) but it has really helped me to deal with those hardships that are in front of me when I go, no, there is a purpose and a reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now instead of the other thing that I thought was going to make me, might've made me comfortable, but would not have made me entirely happy. So right. I think no, it's I important. A hundred percent agree because I'm, in the middle of a job hunt that's been going on for a year and a half. Yeah. And it's like, it's not easy. And, and I'm getting to a point where it's like, I guess I'll just never find this magical job. That's going to let me do whatever I want. And it's like, did you even have a job that lets you do whatever you wanted beforehand? No, you were on that struggle bus way before this. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, if I just get a job in Chicago, I'll just take the job, whatever it means. Even if it doesn't pay great, I'll figure it out. I've done it before. Like I went from like, I'm going to move back with, with the most money and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like, I just want to move back. I just, yeah. And, and it's weird because like, I think, I mean, I'm definitely chasing something that doesn't exist anymore. What's I'm that? Chasing, I'm chasing that like angel of the fucking three years ago, almost of like, in Chicago, you know, broke as hell, but didn't care, had all his friends and, 
you know, did magic and stand up and life was awesome. I'm and it was the healthiest city ever. I'm chasing that angel, but that Chicago, that those people, half of them left, they've moved on. You know, it's it's not the same place, you know. Um, but I think and so I know I, I know I don't want to be here. Yeah. I know I don't want to be in this place that I left so long ago because I knew that it's filled with the things that don't make me happy. It's filled with people that I don't agree with. And I don't, I know I don't want to be here. And like, if there was a way I can get my friends to ship them in a box and take them with me, I would, but you know, and I have cool friends that like, that, um, that know that they know that this isn't, this isn't home and it hasn't been for a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> they're very supportive of that. And they're like, yeah, man, I can't wait for you to leave in the best way possible right they're like right yeah like, god when are you gonna leave and i'm like i'm working on it like i hope you get there like it, it's a fun bit we do because like they'll say it in front of their partners mm-hmm. like as a joke yeah they're like can't wait for this fucking guy to leave and i'm like me too baby and then we'll high five and they're like what mm-hmm. the hell is happening <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah you know. man it's i mean it's great to have people that that understand that even if it's not because it's not selfish. It's not about, Oh, wait, this is not going to last forever. I think about all of the groups of friends and even my close friends that are now all far away in, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm in California and they're in Arizona and Washington and Arkansas and wherever else, um, that was never going to last forever. And we all had our own thing that we had to do. Yeah. Um, and that was far more important than partying and drinking and sleeping yeah. on the couch and you know <laughs> and it and it's really cool because like i was away for so long and they've they've always been the boys right mm-hmm. it's all guys right they're the boys yeah. and um and it's they're super supportive of everything um in the sense of like um hey i don't drink okay cool or they'll make or they'll make sure there's no booze around me and they'll be like hey uh we're gonna drink is that okay i was like dude i don't care it's fine or like if somebody offers drinks, they're they're the first ones to be like, no, 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 my angel doesn't drink. Cool. Or like let's say um, this happened once. We went to a restaurant, and we'd gotten this shrimp cocktail thing, and like it was a bad cocktail. It was bad shrimp cocktail. Just putting that. I'm sorry, restaurant. Yes. <laughs> uh, not that you're ever watching this. <laughs> um, uh, and my buddy had a you know sip and a and a bite of the shrimp first, and he goes don't eat this and i go why he's like just don't eat it hang on and he called the waiter he's like does this have alcohol in it and they're like no and it's like are you sure it tastes like it has alcohol in it and the waiter tastes like oh damn this is weird and then they go and they're like it doesn't it's just it has uh like a mixer in it and i was and it was like huh and like my buddy looked out for me in that in that yeah. in that sense and i got oof, my heart like <laughs> you know that's that's amazing it's always fun that's yeah, huge. yeah it's just it's just one of those things where it's like that's that's the real og right there <laughs> yeah it that's it makes homie. it makes a lot of difference because it's it does. <clears throat> it's um you know nobody we don't i've never i didn't do this on my on my own and i haven't met anybody who's done it on their own yet mm-hmm. um so those kinds of things are are hugely important to the to the recovery process to the just staying sober and, and having people who appreciate you and love you and, and are willing to stand up for you <clears throat> in general, outside of the, uh, you know, the alcohol. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, I, and so how many years do you have now? It's been 8,000 years. Um, let me double check here. Cause I always get the number wrong. Uh, five years, eight months, 27 days as of this recording. Oh, well, uh, all right. Congratulations. That's, Thanks. that's no, I mean, that's no easy feat and that's no <laughs> small number either. No, no, it's not. Um, real, real quick friend story. Um, yeah. Last year we're hanging out and we're just hanging out. Right. And then uh, I made a post on Instagram, like, Hey, I'm here five years. Holy shit. And I don't bring sobriety up when I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm not like, guys, guess what I did? Because when I don't, I don't really believe in bragging that much unless it's like a big milestone. It's like, hey, I made another year. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And even then I don't make it a big thing. Yeah. Um, everybody was like, hey, I saw your post earlier uh, two days ago. It's like, which one? They're like five years. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, damn, that's big. I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's like, nah, dude, that shit's hard. I'm like, yeah. But I mean, like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I try, I don't try to make it a big thing because I don't want my sobriety to be my entire personality. Yeah. Said the guy who's on a sobriety podcast. Yes. And so, <laughs> um, and he's like, all right, that's what's up, man. He's like, cool. I was like, yeah. And then he was like, okay, that was cool. And then like a week later, he pops up, he, he's at my house where I was living unannounced he's like hey dog he's like hey well, what you doing here he's like oh just, can you drop this off i was like okay cool so like, is this for is this for you I was like okay cool i gotta go to work i was like all right man well good seeing you love you bye and i opened it and it was like this really heartfelt note um and it was uh about like how proud he was how proud he was of me um how hard it is and how he felt bad because we're best friends but he never knew I had this big, big of a problem and that he wasn't there to help me out. And at the time, you know, we, we were all in school and shit. And so like, we weren't talking as much, but like once a year we'd be like, the boys are back. Right. So, yeah. And like, and then had a, uh, had a hot wheels. Cause he knows I like hot wheels. And it had a five year sobriety trip. He went out of his way to find a five year sobriety trip. That's awesome. And give it to me, which I think is cool. <clears throat> and so that's like awesome. that's, that's the best story ever. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, um, forever. It also, you're right. It doesn't have to be your entire personality and your entire friend group doesn't have to be sober and or in recovery. Um, and it's such an amazing thing to have people who also, they just don't have this problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking again with somebody and they were saying about how so, this person doesn't drink and, but but they just kind of quit drinking and they picked up something else. And I was like, Oh, so they don't have the problem. Okay. Got it. Understood. But, um, and it's even better to have those people in your life that understand you um, as a human being. Cause a lot of this is just human, human, human issues, right? It's not, it's Mm -hmm. not all just alcohol. Like you said, gosh, it must, it, you know, it's tough to stay sober for five years. And, and I think to myself, when you said that, it would be a lot hard. All of the problems that I'm dealing with right now, all of the hardships, all of those things that I'm trying to, you know, create and cultivate. And like you said, I'm trying to make it. How much harder would those be if I was still drinking? They would be right? impossible. Amen. In my mind, I'm like, I don't think I would be nearly as far. I'm I'm 100% convinced that if I'd kept drinking, I'd probably be like a bum. 
um, not in like the rude way of describing someone who doesn't have a, a home uh, or, or homeless. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I've been homeless. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in terms of like just the worst version of myself, I think I would have sunk back into being shitty <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. Being shitty, having shitty opinions, just not having, just blaming the world for my problems as opposed to looking inward, right? Or or like not recognizing, you know, the privileges and things that I have, you know, as opposed to being like, okay, this is, this is more than, than that. I need to, you know, the common denominator in all my problems is me. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think that's something that a lot of these, a lot of people don't recognize in general. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a big believer in like, um, it may not be your fault, but it's your, it's your responsibility. Right. So like, it is not my fault that I grew up in not the best environment. It's not my fault that my brain isn't wired properly. It is not my fault that, you know, these are things are not my fault. And, um, and I get leeway for that, but at the same time, it is my responsibility to, to work on it at least. Not saying mm-hmm. to fix it, just attempt to work on it. Because all you can ask for somebody is to try. Anytime I help somebody with the smallest or the biggest thing, I always say, hey, all you can ask somebody is to try. That's all you can do, right? Because um, have you seen the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once? Not yet. Not yet. Watch it. Okay. I'm, I'm throw a quote at you, and it's Please. not really a spoiler. Okay. But... Uh, but the character Raymond at one point says, um, and like a bunch of crazy shit's happening. The character Raymond says like, hey, none of us know what we're doing. We're all scared. So the best thing we can do is to be kind. And like, it's mind blowing. I was like, oh man, he's right. And so that's what, that's what I try to do. And like from, you know, not just from then, but like from always, like, the only reason I'm as far along as I am is because people were kind. And like the old version of me would just take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And I have, and I'm not proud of it, but the old version of me took advantage of people and their kindness. And now the now this version of me is very grateful for it and very like trying to whatever little thing I can do to try to make it even I can and the yeah. best part is like really kind people don't ask for it back. They're just like, no, dude, don't worry about it. It's I didn't, I didn't. And honestly, I didn't do it's it for pr- you. Uh, I did uh, it to just yeah. be kind. Yeah. And so like, that's what I do. Uh, and like, it's just, yeah, you just do it because it's, it's supposed to do that. You know, and my buddy, um, one of my best friends out here, I go, you're a nice guy. He's like, I'm not a nice guy. I was like, yeah, you are. He's like, you you did this for me and this for me. He's like, yeah, you're supposed to do that. It's not me, not me being kind. It's just me being a person. And I'm like, humbleness to yeah. the hundredth degree of like yeah. this dude's like, it's not me being nice. That's just me being a. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's like, shout out to that. That's and like I just hope that I can send that out in one way or another. Um, yeah. And I think I think about I would being, not do that if I was still drinking straight up. <laughs> Shit. Um, you bring up a, another good point about just being kind to people and that it's not a. Um, 
yeah, it's not always, it's not always well-received. And I don't, even if I am kind and somebody is cruel back to me, I always think, well, I don't have to go home with that person. I don't have to live with that person. They can go, they have to go live with them being a miserable prick. And I can walk away with having been kind regardless of the circumstance. And that's more important than winning in the situation, the argument, the whatever it is. And it really just helps me make the next better decision. Or as Mark Marin put it, I just make better mistakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have, I, there's a couple of things you wanted to plug. We want to talk about, um, was it the standup? And I also am interested in this podcast you have. Oh yeah. Um, I do. I started out as a standup. Um, I'll do it like online every once in a while. I haven't been on a stage. since like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now my main focus is uh, my podcast, uh, Death and Friends. Yeah, I co-host it with my buddy, Nash Flynn. And it is a podcast about the history of death, uh, the ways we get buried, the ways we get remembered. And yeah, basically we look at like, historical events that relate to death and how impactful it is to like us as human beings and in society and uh when does this air we will um i will what is what is today today's monday i'm gonna bang it out and have it ready for by friday okay great so uh we're in the middle of our third season okay um and we're we're getting towards the end there we're about halfway through I should say we're about halfway through our third season and um, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> Listen to it. It's like the longest episode is like 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, it's just us being goofballs. Um, the thing. I, so Nash, uh, my co-host, she actually has a degree in death ways. So like hmm. she has, she's educated in the science of like what it is to how it is to die socially, culturally, which is like insanely interesting. She has a degree in it, and I like to say, and I am also there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, and um, it's it's my baby. I love that show so much, and it's I work so hard on it. We work so hard on it, um, and it's, yeah. So if you like things like true crime and death and, like, you know, just some occult stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're just, like, into the spookier things in life and mm-hmm. you like to learn about history, um definitely definitely listen to death and friends it's available everywhere you listen to podcasts and yeah check it out that's awesome man um angel thank you so much for for doing this this was it was really great to get to know you a little bit and um and talk with you and um i wish you all the best of luck getting back to chicago where you belong thank you sir thank you (laughs) i appreciate you for having me yes i i am but uh but just a guy. And you said, I need to talk to that guy. And I appreciate you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. There's just, there's a bunch of us who are just people trying to make it a little bit better today than it was yesterday. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, you made it, you made it better for me today. So I appreciate that. Thank Thank you so much. Hey, you made it better for me. I like to say, I've been listening. I listened to some, some episodes to prepare. You're a great interviewer. Like you're really good at 
making things flow and you know when to be like and how did this and it's like <laughs> my man's so well great. thank you thank you I, sure. I i i just sort of i kind of just try to um shepherd the conversation in a way that is interesting you know to me as much as it would be to to anybody else but you know what are the things that i want to know like how did you do that and mostly it's yeah. like Shit, that's what I should have been doing? Oh, man. Okay. So, yeah. It'd be like that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you, John. All right, Angel. Uh, stay we'll, spooky, um, buddy. I'll talk to you later. <clears throat> Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at a is for alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>